Hello. Um, well, I first I want to congratulate both Elena and Wayne for being amazing expositions, and I think that uh, will complement each other very well. I want to uh, continue giving some insights on positive peace in Colombia, also showing you uh, some of my fieldwork. Uh, I'm a DPhil student at the University of Oxford, and my research uh, is also using some approach uh, of the use of technology. And I have been carrying fieldwork for uh, about a year, uh, trying to understand as well what does peace mean at the local level in Colombia, and particularly within what uh, participatory mechanism that is part of the peace agreements. So this is what I want to talk about today. So uh, the way that I have framed the discussion, I will first give you a little bit short context because Elena went already uh, talked uh, a lot about the context, uh, then talk about some positive peace factors to then um, expose how they are related within the peace agreement and then um, talk about the insights of the case study that I'm currently researching and then do some concluding remarks. So in terms of context, as you know, um, after 50 years of conflict, uh, Col the Colombian government signed a peace agreement uh, with FARC, the oldest guerrilla of the Western Hemisphere. And something that is very unique about this, uh, um, this agreement is that participatory planning and citizen participation is at the core of the implementation of the peace agreements. You might um, have already um, suspected that due to the plebiscite that was uh, um, done in order to, to endorse the agreement, which, uh, as Alena said, uh, the new would won. But that is not the only participatory mechanism of the peace agreements. There are more than 40 participatory mechanisms throughout the 300 pages of the peace agreements that are destined to implement and to bring to life all those different pages. And this is a very unique opportunity to build a more cohesive country, a more democratic society, but also to bring to life all those participatory agreements needs to create many bridges between the society and the government and among different, uh, um, different parts of society. Uh, because cementing these efforts requires empathy, empathy requires trust, requires encouraging deliberation and cooperation, and that is something that, even though a peace agreement is a huge milestone towards that, there's a lot of work to do to build that trust and to build that empathy. So, um, what I have been doing uh, in, in, my, in my research, and this is what I want to, to show you today, is one of those participatory mechanisms that it is included in the peace agreement. Uh, what is the path from the mechanism of citizen participation towards peace in a positive way? And it, it is a straight path. So the question that I have been asking is if that participatory mechanism could or could not bring peace under what circumstances. And to give you some background, even though I know that many of you already know very well the concept of positive peace, I just want to portray some positive peace factors that are currently being portrayed by the Institute of, uh, of, of Economics and Peace 
and the global peace index. These are very interesting factors that I have found uh, that uh, some of them uh, are, are very present in the peace agreement. So there are eight factors. First one is a well-functioning government. There is also an equitable distribution of resources, an acceptance of the rights of others, low levels of corruption, high levels of human capital, brief low of information, good relations with neighbors, and a sound business environment. And what you will find, if, if, if you have the time to read the 300 pages of the peace agreement, is that all these peace, fac peace factors are present within the within the, 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 the different agreements that have been achieved. And the agreements are basically on six points. There are some agreements on rural development, on political and citizen participation, on illegal drug trade, on victims, on the end of the conflict, and endorsement and the implementation of the agreements. So overall, just in the paper, it is, it, it's very easy to see that the, that the peace agreements that are achieved in all these six issues try to find a, a positive concept of peace and not just a negative concept of peace. Usually, a negative concept of peace, which is just the, answer of the absence of violence, will focus on ending the conflict. But the other agreements that have been achieved are closely related with the other factors uh, that uh, are useful to achieve a positive peace. However, all these different issues and all the agreements that have, that have been achieved with these issues are deeply participatory and involve the direct participation of citizens in order to be, uh, to, to be able to succeed. And here we're sailing uncharted waters. Why? Because there is a gap in the analysis between the relationship of citizen participation and peace building there is little guidance about how to conceptualize, measure, and support the factors of positive peace. And uh, nowadays, technology is being used a lot for supporting participatory approaches for peace building. But also, there is little research of the effects of technology in participatory peace building approaches. So, as you can see, there is a a peace agreement that makes a huge bet towards citizen participation and creates many assumptions regarding that there is a straightforward relationship between citizens participating and achieving these outcomes, but there is little research about if, the, if this whole relationship is uh, really successful. So given this um, lack of research, I have been studying deeply one particular uh, participatory mechanism that is included in the agreement. And that mechanism is called participatory budgeting. And the question that I'm asking is if this participatory mechanism could or could not achieve peace outcomes and under what circumstances. You may be asking what is participatory budgeting? So let me give you a little bit of context. Every, every, every budget spending requires a decision. And with participatory budgeting, citizens decide directly how to spend part of the local budget. So for instance, 
5% of the local budget, instead of being decided by the local government, is being decided by citizens through direct consultation. So let me give you an example to bring this to life. Yesterday we heard a very interesting talk about uh, how to uh, uh, about preserving cultural heritage after after conflict. So, if a participatory uh, budgeting approach will be done in preserving cultural heritage, for instance, in deciding how to spend a hundred thousand pounds to preserve the cultural heritage in Iraq. Uh, so, if a non-participatory budgeting approach will be made, then the government of Iraq will decide directly how to spend those resources. Whether it's a, if a participatory budgeting approach is applied, then the citizens will directly be consulted on how to spend that money in order to build that cultural heritage. So this is just to give you an, a, a context on what is participatory budgeting. And this is not new. This is this concept of participatory budgeting is included in the peace agreement. However, it started in Porto Alegre in Brazil uh, at the end of the 80s and has quickly spread all over the world. And today, more than um, 1,700 uh, cities worldwide use participatory budgeting. Um, and uh, something that is also very important to note is that today, many cities worldwide Sorry, I have having problems with, the, with this. Many cities worldwide also use technological tools to support this participatory budgeting decision making. So, for instance, there are tools to support online voting for citizens to decide more easy in, in, a, in an easier way how to spend their resources. And also, there are different tech tools that allow citizens to de deliberate more effectively how to spend their resources. So it's a very innovative approach towards uh, collective decision-making with citizens. However, um, although uh, participatory budgeting is usually portrayed as a democratic innovation, it has both benefits and challenges. Regarding the benefits, usually the, the literature portrays that it leads to more civil society empowerment, that it produces more social justice and redistribution, that it leads to more accountability on the use of resources, that it increases service delivery and fosters the trust in local democracy and community cohesion. However, there are many pitfalls and risks. One of them is there a risk of capture of the process by groups of interest that want to have the resources uh, to fund certain particular pr projects that are of their, their convenience. A second risk is clientelism, so it's the use of the resources of participatory budgeting to fund certain projects that later on provides uh, political uh, credits to certain politicians. And there is a risk also of having a, um, a, a fight between the representative democracy and the participatory democracy because often the councillors or the, or the town hall feels that a direct democracy might eliminate certain power. There is, these mechanisms are very difficult to regulate and there is often poor communication and when the tech tools are used, it could lead to 
foster a, a bigger digital divide and to empower citizens that already are more empowered. So this, all these challenges and these benefits have led me to ask particularly in, uh, in the context of Colombia and participatory budgeting in Colombia if these challenges and, these, and if these uh, benefits are in place. And what I have found is that since Colombia has had a very particularly uh, uh, context of conflict, there are certain challenges that need to be taken into account that affect participatory initiatives. The legacy of division and polarization, activism is often stigmatized, there is violence against civil leaders, there is low institutionality, there is low levels of trust, and there is a big legitimacy gap and corruption in the country. So all these different factors affect participatory initiatives and makes even more difficult to have successful participatory mechanisms. So with all this context, I have to engage in fieldwork in Medellin, Colombia, for the past year, uh, trying to understand if, if what is peace in Medellin, similarly to the question that Elena was asking, but what is peace particularly understood in the participatory budgeting process? Uh, and I chose Medellin as case study because Medellin has had a process of participatory budgeting of more than 10 years. So it was a very rich case study because it was also a place where after 10 years, many challenges have come out of the process and, and they are currently changing their regulations. So it's a, it's a very good place to, to also gather the data. And I'm going to portray now some prelimin uh, preliminary diagnosis that I have made that is part of the fieldwork uh, that I'm using to do a comparative analysis between an offline approach of participatory budgeting, of, of the use of participatory budgeting without technological tools. And as part of the fieldwork, I'm designing in a participatory way with both the, the town hall of Medellin and the communities of Medellin a technological tool to foster participatory budgeting in Medellin. So the first step to, to design the tool was to identify what technologies are being used more often, the, the perceptions of peace in the participatory budgeting process, and the challenges of participatory budgeting in Medellin's um, participatory budgeting process where technology could help. And I'm going to share with you some of the perceptions of peace. So similarly to what Elena found uh, in, the, in the focus groups and interviews that I conducted, there, the peace was uh, very far away from the peace agreements and the citizens thought that the concept of peace was very high level and four issues resonated most uh, about what peace could mean within a participatory budgeting process. The first one was social inclusion. So citizens felt that without being included in society in terms of having their economic, social and cultural rights satisfied, it was going to be very difficult to achieve peace. A second concept was transparency. Corruption in Colombia, as, as Elena said, um, is very, um, is very is pervasive. So um, the citizens feel that without having a transparent decision making and institutionality, it's very difficult to attain peace. The third concept is empowerment. 
So citizens and, and other different people consultants felt that um, in these participatory approaches, something that, that is highly positive is the possibility of citizens having control of their own decisions. But if clientelism or capture or the different risks that I already portrayed are present, then that empowerment is very difficult to be achieved. And the fourth category is coexistence. I thought that reconciliation was something that was going to be very common, uh, a, a very common word uh, uh, on the interviews of the focus groups about what peace is. But instead of that, what, what I found is that uh, people feel more that um, peace is coexistence in terms of the absence of violence and the capacity of living together without uh, being afraid of the other. So that's one part of the research. The other part were the challenges of, of participatory budgeting on the ground um, that were closely related with what a technological tool could do. And there were mainly five challenges. First, a need of transparency in the implementation of the projects. Second, need of more information about the, pro the, the process. Third, need of more deliberation need of more channels to participate in the participatory budgeting process and a need of articulation between the whole planning of the territory and how the city is being designed and then the actual decision of the citizens in the participatory budgeting processes. And regarding the technologies that are being used more often, uh, what I found is that citizens have, many, uh, have a high use of cell phones and basically if a, a, a tool uh, wants to be successful in this context, it needs to use very low data and doesn't, uh, needs to, doesn't need to be uh, downloaded in the, in the cell phone, but needs to require very easy access through um, uh, internet, either in an iPad, in a computer, or in their cell, cell phone. And also a very good way to communicate with the citizens is through SMS technology. So right now, based on all this data, I'm building a digital tool uh, that is basically something that is called a web-based app, which is a platform in the internet that has two components. First, uh, it, it allows the citizens to get informed about the process, deliberate more effectively, uh, vote the, 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 pro the different projects, and monitor its execution. And the tool also has a collaborative game to engage the younger populations towards the use of participatory budgeting. I'm uh, currently in the process of developing the, the tool after many consultations with the, with the citizens and with the town hall to build the tool. And in June, I will engage in an experimental uh, phase of the tool in, in focus groups to, to identify the possibility of this tool to, um, to achieve certain peace outcomes. So this is basically what I have done so far, but just to bring you back to, get to the concept of positive peace, it is very interesting how certain factors of positive peace relate very uh, closely with the perceptions of peace in the participatory budgeting uh, process that I identify in my fieldwork. So for instance, the, the perceptions of transparency and social inclusion are closely related with the well-functioning of government, 
the equitable distribu distribution of resources are closely related with the level of social inclusion and transparency, the acceptance of the rights of others is closely related with coexistence, the low levels of corruption are associated with transparency, the high levels of human capital are associated with empowerment, and the free flow of information is associated with both empowerment and transparency. Yet, and this is my concluding remark, uh, although uh, there is a huge potential for participatory budgeting to achieve those outcomes, as I noted before, there are many risks in between, and uh, tackling those risks is at the core of the successful, not only of participatory budgeting, but all, also of the other 40 participatory peace, uh, 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 peace agreements that are within the Peace Accord of Colombia. And tackling those risks is going to be core for the success of the peace process and for building a more peaceful country, both in a negative peace understanding and a positive peace understanding. Thank you very much.